welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome. So today we are going to talk about perfectionism. Woohoo! <laughs> the topic okay. I know nothing about. I mean, it's just gonna be so interesting. That's right. A we'll, foreign concept uh-huh, for yes. sure. We'll we'll try to make this as perfect as possible. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Did you plan that in advance? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. Yes. So, what comes to mind for you all when we talk about perfectionism? Even just hearing that word just makes me makes me feel so heavy and uh-huh. kind of like tight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's just like. Perfectionism is something I've known a little bit about like my whole life. And yeah. so, yeah, it feels burdensome. Yeah. 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 How about for you, Lucy? Yeah, I think about that kind of achievement orientation, right? Like nothing ever being good enough, mm-hmm. right? This It feels rigid. It feels tight mm-hmm. and constricted, right? Like there's this sense of like mm-hmm. not really being able to breathe quite as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So generally, perfectionism is defined it's sort of this striving towards personal improvement, but the standards are so high that anything short of perfection is considered unacceptable. So there's no leeway. There's no room at all. So it's a little bit different from high achieving, which can be actually a positive thing. It can be a good thing. But with perfectionism, it's not very healthy. And one of the Researchers, bigwigs in the field, Brene Brown, you know, she has a whole book, The Gifts of Imperfection, but she talks about perfectionism is is not the same thing as striving to be your best. She says it's not about healthy achievement or growth. And a lot of times perfectionism is used as a shield to try to ward off other things, which we'll talk about different types of perfectionism and things in a few minutes, using it as a shield to avoid things like judgment or blame or shame. And, you know, one of the things, ways that I sort of visualize or imagine perfectionism for me, it's like that life is either one, this constant report card where, you know, nothing less than an A plus is acceptable. Or on the other hand, sometimes I envision it as like that we're involved in this marathon or this race and we're trying to make it to the end, but we never make it to the end because that finish line is always gets further and further away. So like you were saying, Avery, it's just really exhausting. I mean, it's, it's very, it can be very, very tiring. So these are like the students we know or work with where they come yeah. and they're like, I bombed that test. I'm like, what did you get? They're like, I failed it. I'm like, what did you get? They're like, 93. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're like, that really would not be a fail. Yeah. Right? right. But it feels that way. <laughs> I don't know what grade scale you're thinking of, but right. that's, that's <laughs> right. not exactly what I imagine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and just this whole idea of that external measures are going to validate or invalidate your like internal worth. And that I think it's even harder now because there's like this constant external measure, whether it's social media or measuring up to other like perceived progress or, or striving out in whatever field you're in. I think when we were growing up, I mean, it was, I think. Perfectionism was a thing, but it was a little simpler. It was like grades. There were other kind of like kind of simple measures of perfection, but I think it's it's like opened up recently. Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. I mean, I think it's just 
all over the place in our society. Like you need to look a certain way, behave a certain way, achieve so much, you know, make so much money, you know, be this way in your family. It's just everywhere. It's just everywhere. But I think one of the things that I've noticed, you know, the kind of the opposite of that is some people, you know, out in the social media trying to be sort of more real, trying to show like that, you know, I'm not as perfect as maybe this photoshopped picture of mm-hmm. me looks like. So sometimes I'll see on social media, you know, like fitness gurus or other like quote unquote influencers or whatever, you know, showing pictures of themselves, you know, like and all their all their human glory, you know, not photoshopped. Or I think one of the things that I enjoy the most actually is when I see people make videos or YouTubes and there's always bloopers or, well, not always, but there are bloopers or outtakes or like quote unquote fails, which I I really like. I think that's kind of funny rather than this filtered life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that we tend to be more drawn to the human. Yeah. Right. Like we imagine that everyone wants us to be perfect, but actually I don't really like perfect people. Yes. I'll be honest. Like yeah. I'm more drawn to people where there's like a little bit of mess, right? A little yeah. bit of chaos, right? Like that they're just real. Right. right. Real. Yes. Like perfect doesn't feel real. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I think with perfectionism, you know, it's not necessarily about striving for perfection necessarily. It comes from this deep place of I'm not good enough in some kind of way. And so people are trying to fill that hole, trying to make themselves good enough from more of an external place or a perception of That's them. a really helpful conceptualization yeah. for me because over the years I've had clients who I have seen as a perfectionist, but they fight me on it because they're like, well, I don't have to do everything perfectly. But I think that this is a really nice language. I'm sitting here being like, oh, this would have been so helpful for me to think about it that way around like, oh, it's not about having to do everything perfectly, but more of this constant sense of like yourself or nothing being good enough. Yeah, absolutely. I think Mm -hmm. it really has to do kind of more with deep down in our core with our identity of who we are, that, you know, everybody at the end of the day, we're all looking for safety and security and connection is a really big need that all of us as humans have. And, you know, this feeling like it seems like we're always trying to strive for it, like this feeling of enoughness, like that I'm enough just as I am. But, you know, I think in our culture today, that's really rare. It's hard to find examples of that out in the media or wherever. Yeah. So that's one of the ways I like to I like to think about it. It's it's deeper than that, just trying to do things perfectly. It's because there is this deep insecurity of I'm not enough mm. just as I am. So I'm just trying to fill a void with this thing that's never going to fill it. Exactly. Right. Like if I yeah. never feel enough, it doesn't matter how many A's or 94's or 98's or 100's that I make. I'm trying to kind of use something to fill this void that's not going to ever quite fill it if, mm-hmm. if I don't feel enough on the inside. Yeah. So there are different types of perfectionism. It's been researched pretty well over the last, I don't know, decade or so. I actually have an entire book on perfectionism oh, that cool. has measures of perfectionism. The authors Hewitt, Flett, and McHale, the, they are perfectionism researchers. I wouldn't really recommend the book, quite honestly, to just lay people out there wanting to know. It's really more for providers, the mental health providers, quite honestly. But they have some interesting stuff in there if people are interested. But they talk about perfectionism in a couple of different ways. So one way is perfectionism as a trait, and they actually break it into three different types. So one is what's called self-oriented perfectionism. And so that is trying to impose an unrealistic desire to be perfect on yourself. So basically, I think that this is when we're trying to be really 
stringent with ourselves, Mm -hmm. like really a critical self-evaluation. So for example, you know, like a statement maybe that somebody might say internally, it's one of the statements on one of their perfectionism measures is I demand nothing less than perfection of myself. So you see, there's no wiggle room with that, with that self-oriented perfectionism. What are your, you guys, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Yeah. I think that's tough because I think a lot of times that can come from inside and outside, Mm -hmm. right? That a lot of kids that I see, especially, you know, high school kids where they're thinking about college or they're thinking about even in middle school, getting into high school, that there is that kind of external, like demanding of nothing less than the best, right? That if you don't do everything perfectly, then you're not going to get into the right high school and you're not going to get. So is that an Is that a genuine external expectation or is it kind of a general cultural message that's been internalized? Does that make sense? So they actually said, had had their administrators at school, their parents saying, you have to go to the best school or is it just both? I think both. I think there are some highly successful families that either in their words or in their actions make it clear that continued success is, is expected. I also think that kids especially in this area and in in a lot of the schools I see, all of the adults that they see that are quote unquote successful are at that like upper end of the success like bell curve. Like they're not only successful, but they're kind of like hugely successful. And I almost see it as this like very narrow definition of success that it's not enough just to do well enough in school, find it at college and then find a career. It's like, I got to go to the best school, best college, best career. Make the, I mean, like that there's just this very narrow definition of what perfect success would look like. And that's an expectation. And I think it gets internalized over time for a lot of kids. Yeah. So you're, you're actually talking, Avery, about another type of perfectionism. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which it goes hand in hand with the self-oriented perfectionism, but that's that socially prescribed perfectionism. Okay. Like what you were talking about, Lucy, is this internal? Is this external? They really do go hand in hand. Okay. So socially prescribed is when you're perceiving unrealistic expectations from other people. So like if you hear clients say, well, my my parents, other people, they expect nothing less than perfection from me. Yes, that's socially prescribed. And a lot of times, you know, what I see is individuals who are attempting to get into jobs or careers where there is a really stringent expectation Mm. of perfectionism. So like extreme perfectionism. So things like maybe medical professionals, architects, attorneys, maybe. So, and, there, yeah. and there really is an expectation of yeah. a certain performance. I mean, you have to perform a certain way on an entrance exam or have certain GPA or whatever. I mean, there really are people deciding whether you can be admitted to these programs right. or these jobs. Yes. And they are, they have a high expectation. Yeah, of absolutely. And so it can be institutions. It can be like our, you know, family or friends who, you know, our culture who have these high expectations of our behaviors. You know, and we can see that not just in the striving for like career, but we can see it all across the board. You know, I know, Lucy, that you, one of your specialties is eating disorders. And so there is a lot of socially prescribed sort of perfectionism around that, around the ideal sort of body type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so these are kind of two separate. I'm, I'm just wanting to make sure I'm clear. So there's this like externalized kind of uh-huh. social norms and then the internal. And, and I'm thinking these are the parents who say about their kids, I don't know who's putting pressure. We don't care about grades, but this person yes. will not do well with lower than an A, but we don't really care. Right. Versus like, no, we really do care. And even uh-huh. this kid that may not care so much has like, it's been raining down on them and now they do really, really care. So those are kind of the, the yes. okay, got it. So, okay, two, so far. Yeah. So two sort of traits of perfection 
perfectionism. They're just coming from different areas. And then another one, which is really interesting to me, is what's called other-oriented perfectionism. Oh. And so that means imposing unrealistic <sighs> standards of perfection on other people, or if you're critically evaluating them. So this is like self-judgment versus judging others. Yeah. So this is like the, mm-hmm. the putting it out, projecting it onto yes. someone else. Um, yeah. So like if I ask somebody to do something, I expect them to do it flawlessly. Uh-huh. So this would be the parents <laughs> that are like, yes, not only do I expect you to go to school, but I expect you to get all A pluses. And this is what I expect of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my guess is that that may be verbalized explicitly, but that that also may be yeah. a lot more subtle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Those messages. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And, it's, and it's, again, like when we were talking about these different topics for our podcast, I keep relating them to the book that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. And one of the characters in the book, John, is a bit self-involved and has very high standards for other people. And he refers to other people all the time as idiots. He gets so frustrated when things don't go exactly his way. And so that would be an example of other oriented perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah. So that's at the trait level. And then there are also other facets of perfectionism, which has to do with how you present to others. So self-presentation facets, these are kind of the interpersonal components of perfectionism. So one is perfectionistic self-promotion. So this is always promoting yourself as like trying to appear perfect. Like I must always appear perfect. Hmm. So when you see people who are, you know, like, potentially like dressed to the nines, nothing is out of place. Like everything looks, you know, beautiful. Their houses look like it came out of an HGTV magazine, like those sorts of Mm -hmm. things. That would be sort of the self-presentation of perfectionism. Another has to do, well, two other types, and they both have to do with like more of avoidance types of behavior. So one is non-display of imperfection. So I'm going to try to avoid as much as I can trying to display any imperfections. I don't want anybody to see me Mm. unless I can do it perfectly. That is the second type. And then the third has to do with non-disclosure. So non-display and non-disclosure. So I'm not going to admit that I make any mistakes. So I'm going to avoid discussing any imperfections. So it's like you've got two sort of sides of the coin. You've got one where I'm going to always try to appear perfect and do everything I can. And then there's this other side where it's like I'm going to hide and I'm not going to show unless I can show this perfect side of me. I'm definitely not going to talk about mistakes that I make either. I'm struck like our topic is perfectionism, but I really hear you talking about vulnerability. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, it is. And Brene Brown, really, I mean, she's the shame vulnerability, you know, (laughs) researcher. And yes, I think this is one of the things that really gets in the way of vulnerability, like showing that, showing that humanity. Yeah. Yeah. I think about this a lot when I think about kids, both in in my practice and even, you know, in my home, about this idea of like, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not even going to try. And kind of that avoidance that if I can't, if I can't be assured that this is going to be a successful or perfect venture, then I'm going to kind of like cut my losses before I even put myself out there. When I think that's important, I think sometimes perfectionism shows up like that Mm -hmm. as like a disengagement and almost underachieving because I would prefer to just not do it at all rather than to engage in it not to go perfectly or as well as I would like it to be. I think about this a lot with like people that have learning issues or attentional issues that kind of start to become oppositional that say it's, it's like it's so much easier easier to say I won't than I can't. And so I, th- I think that kind of avoidance that really struck a chord with me about, you know, I'm just not even going to try because then you'll see that I can't. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I can't do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so what are, like, what do you notice? Like what crops up for either you or what you see in your clients or friends or family when somebody's being perfectionistic? Do you have examples of things that you have seen? Lucy, you mentioned like somebody saying, oh, well, I failed. I didn't, you know, I didn't do well. And I got a 93. Well, I think that these are a lot of people who end up in our offices, yeah. right? And I actually love working with perfectionists, mm-hmm. kind of high achieving. There's a lot of overlap with eating disorders. And so these are some of my most favorite people. But I think one of the things that brings them to our office is that this is such a heavy load to carry of ourselves and a heavy way to show up in the world. So it is exhausting and draining and nothing ever feeling good enough, like that it kind of takes its toll. And I think quite often it can be hard to untangle, right? Because there's that part that's like, but I can't do anything less. Like anything less would be horrible. And you're like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. It just, it just would, right? Mm-hmm. There, it's almost like this wall comes up mm-hmm. that you can't even like access what's underneath it or like entertain something else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think there's that just kind of like all or nothing thinking that I think we've talked a lot about kind of acceptance and compassion seems to be a nice like salve for that. But it's so hard for people to access, especially I loved what you talked about with the traits, because I think sometimes it comes from all three places. Yes. Right. That you have these very internally perfectionistic kids. I'm thinking especially like adolescents that live in a highly perfectionistic society with very high expectations. And then those high expectations are communicated to them of, you know, there is a right school to go to and a wrong school to go to. And that they're just kind of in this like tornado of perfectionism. And I I think it can be very crippling. It can shut them down because at the end of the day, none of us are perfect, right? Like that's an impossible measure. I mean, that's an impossible goal. And I think that what I see a lot is that that turns into depression. It turns into anxiety because obviously we can't do everything perfectly. And then when the expectation internally, externally in our families is that we do everything perfectly, at some point there's going to be a mismatch. And a lot of times that just makes things really shut down. Yeah. So you're kind of, Avery, getting into the downfall, both of you, the downfall of being perfectionistic, right? So you were saying, I mean, it's an impossibility. It's not reality. Mm -hmm. No one is perfect and we won't ever, ever get there. And so when we're striving for perfectionism and just how heavy and how hard that is, there are actually a lot of negative outcomes that come from that. Are there things that come to mind for the two of you, like some of the negative outcomes that can come from perfectionism? I was going to say real quick too, and this is something a little different, but I'm afraid if I don't say it now, I'll forget because that memory (laughs) stuff we talk about, right? (laughs) But the biggest, I think, obstacle I hear too is this fear that if I take my foot Mm -hmm. off the gas pedal, like I'm going to fall off the cliff, right? Like if I don't hold myself to these high standards and if I don't press myself, it's a little bit like the role that the critic had, this fear that I will literally actually be failing classes, right? Or that something really bad will happen or I don't even know how it would go and I just couldn't even stand Mm -hmm. it. So kind of this idea of like if I accept a 98 rather than a 100, then somehow, some way, I'm not going to look at it for it's just a, a second. Slope. It's going to get to be a 50. Yeah, right? like I really slope. am going to, if I don't hold it to this very, very narrow goal, then it's going to, all hope is lost. I'm going to fall off the, so, fall and off I, the edge. And I feel like I have two subtypes. So I feel like there's yeah. some where that's that idea. It's something very catastrophic will happen. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like there's some, when you press on that, they're like, no, I don't think I'd ever actually fail, but gosh, the 98 just feels so horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could tolerate that. Or like, who would I be if that mm-hmm. was me? And so, Jamie, with what you were saying earlier, I love that distinction with how do we reframe it that we're not trying to take something helpful away, right? Because I think often people think we want them to be someone different or we don't think that they should succeed. And so how do we like separate Mm -hmm. out this idea of healthy striving is still great. Like Mm -hmm. working hard is wonderful, but how do we do it in a different way? Mm -hmm. 
And one thing I've really found, especially for these very, I think, because in a lot of ways it does serve people to have this kind of high expectation, is that we talk about ways that it gets in the way, right? And so what I'll often say to people is, if you were telling me that this striving and this drive was making you make awesome grades, was making you feel amazing and motivated, and there was no downfall, you probably wouldn't be in here. We wouldn't be talking about it. So clearly, this is working in some ways, but it's not working across the board. So back to Jamie's question, yes. like the downside, the downside. Yeah. And uh-huh. so what I often see those, those downsides are that it affects their relationships. It affects their ability to show up. It affects their mental state. Oftentimes real, when it gets really kind of out of control, it can affect their sleep. It can, I mean, there's a lot of things that it can start to do because at the end of the day, expecting perfection. And I think in a lot of ways in all aspects at all times, that's a fool's errand. That's not going to happen. Right. And so we have to, at some point, make peace with the fact that I'm going to have to accept less than a hundred percent in some way. Right. And honestly, I think we've talked about this kind of like the idea of saying no to to protect your yes, Mm -hmm. that trying to be perfect in every aspect is actually going to take away, detract from your performance and the things that are really important. Right. And so kind of figuring out what's, you know, what's most important, what are those things? And let's save that drive, that motivation for those things versus trying to spread it out to everything. So I'm kind of curious as we're talking, the examples that come to mind are a lot around like teenagers, young adults, people who are in school that I work with. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here like, is it more prevalent with people who are in school? I know that I have adults where perfectionism is the theme, but it it seems to take a bit of a different form. So what do y'all notice in terms of perfectionism and how it shows up in those school years versus into adulthood? I think as I see adults that struggle with that, it feels a little more nuanced. I think one, because there are not these external measures, right? I mean, there is a measure that you get multiple times a day in school. I mean, a 98%, a 78%. I mean, you get multiple measures on a number scale throughout the day. And then there are these big kind of measuring points, like where did you apply or get into high school? Where did you apply or get into college? I think there's a lot of external What internships do you get? You like, there's a lot of There's uh-huh. a lot. And so I think there's a lot of these external measures that either you did or did not meet your expected level. And I will say for me, when those went away, it was very unsettling. The last measurement I took was my like board exam. And I think after that, it was like, Ooh, it was a little unsettling. Like I need somebody to measure me. I need somebody to tell me like, yeah. So it sounds like it was, (laughs) it was was, in a way it was, yes. Like containing a little bit, even though it was stressful, it was kind of like a comfort or familiarity. Like a check and balance kind of system. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I think that, and I think I see that a lot for people as they enter into adulthood and they're not as much measurement that that's seeking reassurance, whether it's from their bosses, from their partners, like that it kind of gets ratcheted up because they're used to getting all this like constant intake of measurement. But I I think as adults, it kind of, that settles a bit. You kind of have to go without it, like all these measurements. And so it feels a little more nuanced. I think about like the mommy wars of like working moms versus non-working moms and all these expectations about breastfeeding. You got it. You got got it. it. You got natural (laughs) childbirth, you know, homeschool. I mean, there's so many different. Do I make my kids baby food? Do I keep my house clean and have my kids all these activities? And yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's not, nobody's going to give you a 98 on your mothering. So it feels more nuanced, but it, the message is still there. There's a right way to do it and there's a way to do it perfectly. And if you're not doing it that way, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Suck. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, maybe like as adults, you become more savvy and in that sort of behavioral interpersonal manifestation mm-hmm. of perfectionism. And so getting savvier at the way that you present and what you withhold. So That's that, right. that way it's, you're not, you know, showing your mistakes or talking about your mistakes. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. it gets so nuanced. I think about that 
idea of the humble brag mm-hmm. of like, yes. and like the <laughs> yes. false vulnerability yeah. or the false of like, oh, well, let me show you my mess in my perfect outfit that looks really good in my perfect body that I've worked really, you know what I mean? Like, right. let me show you my quote unquote mess. That's really like my curated mess that I've decided is okay for you to see. Right. So there, I do, I think we get, we get, it's more nuanced and we get better at like the, hmm. yeah, what mm-hmm. we show and what we don't show. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of back to more of the downfalls of perfectionism, what would you see like manifests like what are some of maybe even the the mental health issues that you can see that are associated with perfectionism? So in my practice, I, I work a lot with anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. And I find that both of those really associate with perfectionism. I think anxiety comes from having a really high expectation of yourself and trying to meet that perfectionistic expectation and not meeting it. And then I think depression comes from that like sadness of not meeting it. So I I think that happens a lot for people, keeps them in that cycle of depression and anxiety when they get into that perfectionistic thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else from you, Lucy? downsides yeah like what have you seen like manifest sort of like in mental health yes i mean lots of eating disorders once again huge overlap with that Mm -hmm. a lot of the rigidity that kind of over controlled personality type and i think that sometimes it can create loneliness right and social difficulties sometimes if i have to be perfect everyone else has to be perfect like it just doesn't free up much space to engage in a more human way which is how we connect yeah, and these are hard people to connect to. I mean, yeah. it makes us hard to connect to and it makes it, yeah, it makes it hard to connect to people that are perfectionistic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, some of my folks that I've worked with, what I see a lot of times in their work environment is burnout. Like they get really burned out and that <laughs> that that happens a lot especially if they're in pretty intense jobs. It's it's really hard to maintain that. I kind of think of it as like I'm making toast and I've run out of butter except for one tiny corner of butter in the one little container and I'm trying to like spread it so thin over my toast. Like that's what it can feel like. I mean, that's just my yeah. visual for it. Yeah. Toast but just doesn't taste as good. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I, I think that can happen professionally. I think it can happen personally. Yeah. I think that can kind of happen across the board that that idea that if I'm going to have to have everything be perfect, I'm going to run out of butter. I'm yes. going to run out of steam. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of that idea of if I can be more intentional, kind of accepting of the imperfections, that makes me less, that makes me a little more hearty, a little bit less, less rigid. Less well, it's not only like running out of steam and burning out, but life is not very fun when right. we're in that perfectionistic place. Like it has a way to suck out like a lot of the joy because it's just so heavy and exhausting, right? Yeah. We're kind of focused on some Maybe, I don't want to say the wrong things, but what we're focused on just doesn't lead to much fun and joy. And I love that because I think that can really offset the perfectionism. I think I think the story a lot of perfectionists tell themselves, including me, is if I can do this perfectly, then I will be happy. And there's this idea that there probably are times that they have done it perfectly. I mean, there are probably are times you've gotten a hundred and maybe you're still not that happy. And I feel like that's a way that we can open that window a little bit of like, oh, actually, we've seen that you have done it, quote unquote, perfectly, at least once or twice. And turns out it actually just put more pressure on you to continue. And that wasn't actually getting you where you want to go. Which is a quick hit. You got it. Uh You got it. And so that idea of like inviting the happiness, the joy, the ease, outside of the context of perfectionism and recognizing the perfectionism is not going to get you where you want to go. So I feel like we have more to talk about when it comes to perfectionism. So maybe we'll do a part two down the, great. down the road. Cause I feel like there's still a lot maybe that we have to say and lots of tips and tricks and nuggets and 
whatever adjective we want to or noun or whatever it is that we want to put in there. But, you know, strategies for coping with it, challenging it. But are there any things, just kind of quick and dirty tips that you would offer up to our listeners for now until we can get more into it later? I think one I might have is be intentional about doing something half-assed, right? Yeah. Especially if you're a perfectionist, like how can you do something not to be good at it, but because it's fun. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like I have horrendous hand-eye coordination. It is absolutely horrible, but I'll go like, like to go hit around the tennis ball, not because I'm good at it, but simply because it's fun. Right. And so how do we allow ourselves things that we do once again, just for the joy of them, even if we stink at it? Yeah. So I was kind of thinking about, you know, when our children were little, there's that idea of like not to tell them don't run, but to tell them please walk because telling them not to do something doesn't really give them something to do instead. And so I love this idea of the something to do instead is something that invites joy and peace and ease and happiness. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what we think perfectionism is going to give us when really we can have that kind of go around it, right? And to find those things that do give that joy, that connection, that belonging, And I I think that that would be a nice way to kind of invite in that acceptance that not everything has to be perfect. Yeah. And I would suggest that people try new things, you know, starting off with that beginner's mindset and really focusing on the process of what you're doing rather than the end result, I think can be something that's powerful. But yeah, I'd love to pick this up and talk about this some more at a later time, too. There's a lot to say here. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for joining us today. Next week, we will be talking about treatment seeking. So seeking out psychological services and kind of demystifying that whole process. So we hope to see you then. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Inspiration from the Couch.